This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Coach Hall here on Coach Hall's locker room on a Monday. Well, same old story. I'll get to it in a moment about the gator. But first of all, I want to know... Well, if you're tuned in, you're here at the right time. If I look a little groggy, it's because it'll take me till the next time we change the time before I can get used to this change of time. I mean, I just get used to it. I mean, come on. And the next thing I know, we got to change it. And then we change it. And then I get used to it, we change it. I wish they would make up their whoever they is, would make up their minds. So I don't know what time you got, but I got 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Whereas before we had Eastern Daylight Savings Time. I don't know how we're saving anything, but that's the way it's been sold to us. It's a wonder that's not a result of uh, uh, climate change, global warming, whatever you want to call it. I'm glad to see Ken Hilliard made it. Uh, he went to bed last night at 8.30. Yeah, who didn't? I mean, come on. Then I woke up this morning at 3. I still ain't awake and I'm up. Well, there you are. Oh, wang. I know, I know. Oh, wah. Well, well, well. CoffeeCaliberCompany.com. I get all my coffee from them now. Mail right to the dough. And you can get it in the little pots. You can get it in the beans. All kinds of ways. Light, medium, dark. Just be sure to use Ward Scott 15, and you'll get a 15% discount. So I've been going or... We've been going to here, there, and yonder and buying it by the case and the stores and having to make a trip and spend the gas. Now it comes to us. So you might want to consider that. Uh, we also are in the Melton Law studio, of course. Melton Law has 50 years of experience and is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida uh-huh, uh-huh. fighting gator. Fighting gator. Well, We'll talk about the fighting part in a minute. And we're protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention. Get yourself a doorbell camera, and then you can peek out and see what's out there. Well, well, well. And all the other great people who sponsor and partner with us, Alatra Chronicle, we work together to bring you community news. So what can I say? I watched my first Gator football game, 1961. 
Okay. I think that now this, everything I say is my opinion. You know, I'm never wrong. I think the greatest assembly of athletes on Florida field at one time was Charlie Pell's team with Lomas Brown and those guys. Man, what a team. And he was so good that he got the Royal Shaft the way they're trying to get our ball now at Michigan. You know, if you get too good, the others try to put you down and look for things. It's like Trump. They go after Trump. They've been going after Trump. Oh, God, ad nauseum. If you are a threat, they go after you. Well, so they went after Charlie Pell. I think what he did, memory's failing me now. He loaned a kid on the team child support payment or something like that out of the goodness of his heart. Anyway, Charlie Pell was a great coach. I'm never wrong. And of course, Steve Spurrier. Urban Meyer had great results. You can't take that away from him. And he had a wild crew here. That's documented. But he really wasn't, the more I think about it. A gator. He was a good coach, but he wasn't a gator. Steve's the only true and true gator we've had. Charlie Pell ain't too far back. For some reason, he was able to assume that persona pretty well. Now, there's all kinds of guys in between. Um, One of the things I can do I can imitate all their walks. I can imitate the Zucker. I can imitate Steve. I can imitate this guy we got now. I don't know what it is. It's just one of those habits you get. But I learned from actors that if you want to know a character, what that character is like, you got to learn his walk. And when you learn his walk and can do his walk, then you are pretty close to what that character's like. I don't know about the women. This is males talking about male characters. Anyway, it's one of those nasty habits that I've got that I can imitate their walks. I mean, just for the heck of it. And, you know, it used to be with a couple of beers I could do it in a bar room. And I'd get my beers free. But anyway, um, And Ray Stern has posted something about Tim Tebow. You know, C.J. Stroud, I think that's the one who was the winner last night. Thank Jesus, correct me if I've got them wrong, one of the ones from Ohio State that came to the pros many, many more times than Tim Tebow ever did. And I think when Tim Tebow was doing it, they were catcalling that as too much goody two-shoes, too much religion on the football field. You know, they always had a problem with coaches praying. They've always had a problem. Well, we got a quarterback, black quarterback, thanking Jesus 
or his success. I got no problem with it, but I'm saying, and made me think of Tim Tebow and what Ray Stern has put up here on the chat board about Tim Tebow. And we've had this Supreme Court thing. Take a look at this prayer deal. And I think the last version of the ruling was it was okay. And the funniest story I know about that, I think I told one time, I've got a friend who raised his kids to be atheists. I can see why. He can't, I, I now I'm old enough to see why. My friend hails from the Middle East. Hails from, and I won't name him, I'm not name him. I'm not, of course, I'm not going to name the country he's from, but nor the religion. But in the Middle East, religion makes things worse rather than better. Much worse. It becomes a bludgeon. So understandably, now that I'm older, I realize what he was doing with the children. He brought his boys up to be free from religion. Brought them up to be atheists. My friend tells me this story. It was so funny. He said, Ward, I was with my son, and we were in a church at a wedding. And they said the Lord's Prayer. And my son said the Lord's Prayer. And after the wedding, I asked him, I said, hey, where'd you learn the Lord's Prayer? He said, in football. So, there you are. I just throw that in there because coaches, my experience, will use anything to motivate. They'll make stuff up. Oh, those guys said you were terrible. They said you were lower than whale poop on the bottom of the ocean. They did. They did. They did not. And then they'd fire them up and use that. Coaches will use anything for motivation. And nothing sacred. Okay? That's the way it works. So I'm saying the Gators... My phone rang off the hook, all right? I apologize, I apologize. I know a lot of guys from the past who were athletes. I got a call from one in particular yesterday. Reading the Riot Act. He was a great player for the Gators. I mean, a great player. Played with great coaches. He could not believe how poorly coached the Gators are. How poorly they tackle. And he went on and on. It was I had to hold the phone away from my head for a while. Went on for a good half hour. And you know, when were they going to catch on? And when were they going to realize that this this guy wasn't answer? I got two opinions about that. One, I've come to believe ever since Steve, and we'd have to throw, you have to put Urban Meyer in there too. 
the Gators are not going to get it right. They're not going to get it right. They're not going to find the magic guy who's going to do it. He's been here. Hello, goodbye, that's over. That's a cynical side of myself that I'm not real proud of. So what do you do if that's the case? Just get used to it. You're like Vanderbilt. You want to have great scholars and great scores. And well, Vanderbilt's perfectly happy with a seven and five, or you know, maybe even a little. That's they're perfectly happy. They go to the games. They have their social life. It ain't the be all end all. But the other side of the coin is if you want to be the be-all, end-all, and you want the Gator Nation and all that good jazz, you better start thinking about changing. You better start thinking about changing. Lose two more games, which probably they will. FSU, probably lose it. LSU, probably lose it. Now, it's my opinion, but I'm never wrong. I don't see a fire in the belly. I see some talent here and there running around. But, and listen, let me, let me just say one thing. I wondered when Arkansas was going to wake up. The quarterback for Arkansas did not throw a good ball. In fact, he threw a ball that it was thrown any kind of accuracy. It was hard to catch. Could be hard to catch because he threw it hard. So he wasn't a great throwing quarterback. I mean, he could throw well, but it wasn't consistent, wasn't always catchable. But when they finally realized, Arkansas's coaches finally realized that quarterback was bigger than our linebackers, tougher than our linebackers, 6'2", 6'3", 255, then run that Quarterback draw, run that quarterback, they can't stop him. They can't stop him. And when they realized that, Arkansas did, that changed the game. What took them so long, I don't know. They kept thinking they'd chunk it down there and get it done. But that changed the game. We couldn't stop that. I don't know how Arkansas' season wind up. The other thing about Arkansas, if you've ever been there, they don't have the money Florida has. Their stadium is nothing like Florida's. 
Certainly nothing like LSU's. So look at it this way also. It was an exciting game for the consumer. Come on, what do you want? I mean, it was a cliffhanger with overtime. What's to be, what's to be uh, upset about? You're on the edge of your seat the whole game. It was a contested game right up to the very end. Had all the drama, missed field goals. You know, what else do you want? But if you want perfection, in my humble opinion, I'm never wrong. You haven't found it. And you won't find it the way it's configured right now. A lot of odd things going on. Guys can't tackle. No offensive coordinator. No special teams coach. A lot of odd things. But the thing that's really missing to the guys that were calling me was the quote-unquote what we call the esprit de corps. It wasn't there. Simply wasn't there. Hasn't been there. Occasionally it's been there maybe. Play calling. It started out fast. Where did it go? How how come? And then the most embarrassing thing was to have the ball ripped out of your best receiver's arms. Not over coffee. In front of everybody. So that's my take on the gator. It's a long day in Mudville. Probably it's not going to get any better. I think Napier's record is a total of 11-11. And God knows there's enough money spent. And yet there's still whispering in the hallway that there's not enough collective money. There you go. I'm working on having a great program, by the way, probably next Monday on name, image, and likeness and the collective with somebody who really knows it well. We've been talking about doing a show together. I think it would really be something you students could learn from. Absolutely. I'll keep you queued up. Uh, it would be a week from the day, tentatively, providing my guests is available. We've been studying it, he and I together. We've been studying the congressional hearings and the ways in which this is affecting the various sports. And I really am excited about this this show for you because you'll learn a lot from it. Now, meanwhile, in the pros, 
you've got some exciting games. Some really exciting games. I watched, I couldn't get off the couch yesterday. Of course, I was confused about the time. But there were some good games. Um, Damar Hamlin, you know, Cincinnati won last night. He has launched a Cincinnati scholarship program to honor the 10 people who saved his life. He's honoring the medical team that saved his life, and he's launching a scholarship program for Cincinnati use. It's going to be a charitable foundation. Chasing M's will be awarding $1,000 scholarships to 10 individuals from the area's underserved communities for each of the next three years. What a great, great gesture. Each of the individual scholarships will be named after the first 10, uh, 10 first responders, nurses, and doctors who treated Hamlin after he went into cardiac arrest. Um, and this was announced with the Bills' first return to Cincinnati to play the Bengals last night. That's really good. That is a, he himself grew up in the Pittsburgh uh, place of McKee's Rock, and he was a recipient of a scholarship that allowed him to attend Central Catholic High School. And he went on to play for the University of Pittsburgh and was drafted by the Bills in 2021. Wow. Good for him. That is the way it ought to be done. Of course, we don't want him to be near death on the field. That's a different story. Meanwhile, talking about sports, we have been watching the NFL show up more and more and show up successfully, I might add, to big crowds in Europe. I predict that's going to be the big move. We're going to have the NFL all the world before it's over, particularly in Europe. But the NCAA, women's college basketball, is going to start out this year. It's going to tip off the season tonight in Paris. Number six, South Carolina. And number 10, Notre Dame. This will be the first time a women's game will be played in Paris. And it is going to be tip-off on ESPN at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, that's amazing. This is landmark growth for the game of women's basketball. It's huge in the arenas now. It's huge on TV. The NCAA data shows that there are four programs. South Carolina, Iowa, Iowa State, and UConn. With season season attendance averages of better than 10,000. That's better than the UF men's basketball team does. Now, just a year ago, 
South Carolina was the only one to surpass that mark. So March Madness, though, had the most viewers since 2009. It had a record 9.9 million for the championship game between Iowa and LSU. So this is quite something, isn't it? And don't you know that name, image, and likeness and collective money is up to the hilt in women's basketball. I think there's a million cash lying around for South Carolina is what I heard. Don't hold me to that. But uh, it's pretty close. Now, I don't think there's any turning back on this. This game has become fun to watch. Um, it's really better than the women's pro leagues. The college league is really something. Um, so we'll see how the hoops does, uh, how they do in Paris. Here's your rankings for college football. Georgia is still number one. Michigan, number two, 9-0, 9-0. Ohio State, 9-0. Florida State, number four, 9-0. Yeah, I didn't stutter. Florida State, 9-0. Washington, 9-0. Alabama, 8-8-1. Mississippi. A lot of people don't like Lane Kiffin. I can understand that. But Lane Kiffin has really set that Ole Miss football program on fire. He's got a lot of collective money. He's got him in the top 10. Right at number 10. They're 8-1. and one. They play hard. They're coached well. Tennessee, whom somehow, some way we beat, seven and two, and is number fourteen. LSU at six and three is clear at eighteen. That's just a little bit about the ranking. I don't see anywhere on here. Anywhere. Florida. Well, I'm, why do I look? There you go. That's it. Meanwhile, the New York Marathon. I don't know why anybody would want to run one. But Tamara Tola won it 26.2 miles, broke the 12-year-old mark, two hours, four minutes, and 58 seconds. He's an Ethiopian rumble. What else would he be? Amazing. And the women, 
Helen Taylor was running and did not win it. Um, a wheelchair race. Boy, can you imagine a wheelchair marathon? Marcel Hug. Huh? Wow. And of course, all we had, I'm looking for the woman finisher. Don't quite see it out of the bat. Wheelchair race. You get 35,000 bucks for doing that. And the last story before the break is the masterful performance continues uh, by Novak Djokovic. The guy, if you like tennis, you take a look at that guy. His strokes are perfect. His conditioning is perfect. His composure is perfect. I think he's 37 years old. He'll probably play about three more years. You know, you hit that magic 40. You have to take it. You have to take a seat for a while. So. But if you want to learn the game and learn how to play it properly. Take a look at uh, Novak Djokovic. He has the ability because of the technical precision in the form of his strokes to last during those long exchanges. That game is one that a little bit of imperfection in your form manifests itself in huge mistakes as results. Played the game a lot. I umpired the game for the NCAA. Always been amazed. You could tell right away who had good coaches. It's the same way with football. You can tell right away what team has good coaches. It shows up if you know what to look for and if you coach the game, play the game, particularly if you've studied the form of how to perform well, certain movements. It's obvious in golf. It's obvious in tennis. It's there also in every sport. It's in swimming. Absolutely. No question about it. And you have to find the great coaches. I want to close with this. Something I heard yesterday on one of the Fox uh, coaches' discussions. It was said by one of the guys on the uh, stand there. There's no secret to how you're good in football. You have a great coach, a great quarterback, and a great defense. And I got to thinking about that. That's what you had with Steve Spurrier. You had a great coach. You had pretty darn good quarterbacks. And then the defense lived up to it. You had a great, it's stooped for a defensive coach. So if you just take those three criteria, great coach, 
Great quarterback. You got to have that. And by the way, I never thought A.R. Richardson was a great quarterback. I think he's going to flop. He's not going to be in the same class as the other young ones that have come out. But if you have a great coach, great quarterback, and a great defense, you'll win. Think about that. Be right back with Ward's weather. Stay tuned. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. Thursday, November the 16th, come celebrate the release of our Spurrier's Gridiron Grill, Lugo's Risky Run. This exclusive release features a special spread of our farm-to-table food, rum cocktails, raffles, and a meet and greet with me. Each ticket includes a bottle of Spurrier's Single Barrel Select Risky Run. And I'll sign the bottle if you'd like. So get your ticket before they sell out at Spurriers.com. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! All right, Ward's Weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Chevron Station's fossil fuel, the best. Always support Lewis Oil. Can't go wrong. Well, delightful weather here. If you don't mind it being rainless, 
50s in the evening, low 80s today. There you go. But I got to tell you, once again, I've been getting phone calls. Ward, it's time you did, say after me, the naked rain dance. Now, first of all, let me suggest to you that I don't know how or why the naked rain dance works. And I'm reluctant to do it because every time I've done it, then not long afterwards, I get calls, make it stop. Make it stop. So I haven't done it. But I'm getting closer to it. And I don't know whether it's the rhythm of the humbaya, what it is. The shaking of the spirit. I don't know. But just to put you on notice at Ward's weather, it keeps getting dry like this. Staying dry. And don't blame me if it rains for a couple of weeks. And on the other hand, it might betray me. If it did, it'd be the first time it's ever done it. I got to tell you, every time I've done it, it's rained. Let me get Jody Davis to do it with me. I can see Jody Davis doing the naked rain dance with me. Wow, wouldn't that be a sight? Uh-oh, uh-oh-oh. Anyway, he's watching. I think he's watching. We'll put him, we'll put him on the spot. There we go. Well, this story I'm going to share with you now kind of sums up where we are. Ted Yoho, who co-hosts with me on Wednesdays, was scheduled to be in South Korea this Wednesday. I got a message from him. He's going to be here in Florida. And that the world is getting ready to implode. Now, Ted knows things I don't know. Of course, he's connected in ways I'm not connected. But I have a real strong feeling about why we're in this mess. I'm not the only one that has this strong feeling. Victor Davis Hansen has it as well. The classic war historian. One of the best two or three minds in the country. But this story here really sums it up in many ways and will become the kind of focus for the stories I share with you in a few minutes after this one. Now, McDonald's. There's a fella here in our town, the Good Life community of Alachua, 
whose family is involved with the beginning of McDonald's. I won't say his name. Maybe someday I'll have him as a guest on the show. Right on the ground floor. I remember, I started out in Indiana. I remember in the late 50s going with my grandparents. We were going to go to a drive-in theater and we're going to have our supper, as my grandmother always called it, at McDonald's. The Golden Arches. And this was in Urbana, Illinois, the home of the University of Illinois. I recall correctly, I think, that a hamburger cost a dime. I recall that a bag full of hamburgers and french fries and drinks was less than a dollar. Probably circa 58, 1958. I think I got my dates right. Now fast forward. I have a caliber coffee here. Fast forward. A McDonald's in downtown San Francisco has shut down. A fellow named Scott Roderick of Roderick Management Group commented on this. The office building vacancies. The problem with the crime. The problem with the homeless and the hungry. This particular McDonald's has been in business for 30 years. Now, the one I just mentioned to you, I, I, attend, I went to in 50, 1958, or thereabouts. Now, no more. It is shut down. Along with other Businesses in San Francisco. Local bank branches are closing up shop. There's also a minimum wage increase. Workers' baseline pay. Get this now. We had a whole bag 
cheeseburgers, fries, drinks, the whole bit. I know it's less than a dollar. Workers' baseline pay now in California is going to rise to $20 an hour. You can't run a McDonald's on $20 an hour. Why does that happen? I've got some dots here I'm going to try to connect for you. And you're going to say, what's wrong with Scott? This doesn't make any sense. He's talking about the Middle East. I thought he was talking about San Francisco. No, I'm really talking about left-wing politics. Obama. He was on a show called Pod Save America Saturday. And what did he say? Quote, all of us are complicit to some degree, end quote, in the violence in Gaza. As he made equivalent, morally equivalent, Hamas murdering Israelis and Israelis' occupation of Gaza. This ain't the first time this dude's done this. He, like Jimmy Carter, thought he could go forgive Iran and work with Iran. No. Don't work that way. Don't work that way. Well, he, he thinks it does. You can't let the homeless and the hungry hang around hang around in downtown San Francisco and expect your mother to go down there and get a McDonald's. I want to let my mother go. Somebody has to understand that there's such a thing as evil. 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 Ernest Hemingway has a short story called The Killers. I wrote a definitive essay about it for a publication. I say so myself, it's brilliant. The publication, the editors thought it was brilliant. I'll just sort of summarize it for you here. In Hemingway's story, The Killers, the story opens with the following line. The door to Henry's lunchroom opened and two men walked in. Now, what's 
such a big deal about that. The door to Henry's lunchroom opened and two men walked in. Hemingway never wasted a word. That's a compound sentence with two independent clauses joined by a coordinating conjunction. The point of view is sitting there in that lunchroom. He notices them walk in. By calling them men, he knows and you know that they've come into a place that the people who regularly occupy that place, because it's Henry's, don't know. But they haven't formed any judgment yet about those two men. They just noticed they walked in. A lunchroom tells you or suggests to you it's an intimate community. These men are not part of this community. They sit down at the counter. And the first thing that the person watching them notices is that they abuse Henry when he asks them what they want. And Henry, and by abuse, they say, he says, what can I help you with? And they look at each other and say, I don't know what I want. What do you want? They become, the two men become contemptuous of the menu and contemptuous of the man who runs the place, Henry, by being contemptuous of the menu, which tells you they come from a more sophisticated place. What Hemingway is doing is showing these two men. And later you learn they have come to that lunchroom to kill in the lunchroom, Ole Anderson, a prize fighter who betrayed the mob by not throwing the fight the way he said he would. You don't learn that till later. But how does he, why would these two men abuse the lunchroom man? To see if he is any kind of threat. To see if he is any kind of threat. If you insult this man in his own restaurant, in his own lunchroom, And he doesn't pretty quickly say, okay, I'm going to ask you to leave. That means as a male, 
He's trying to appease you, and you got him. Because you don't respect appeasement. You got one job. You don't respect the security and the safety of the people in that lunchroom. They're just going to turn out to be the wrong place at the wrong time. You got one job. And that's revenge. To take out the guy who betrayed you. In a place he would least suspect you coming. In a place he would you catch him totally by surprise. Because if you don't, he's pretty formidable. You might have a problem. You want to catch him when you got the advantage. And so when Hemingway writes the opening of that story, you say, what is he doing talking about the menu so much? And why are they disagreeing? And why isn't anybody in the lunchroom say, hey, you can't pick on our buddy like that? Because they don't want a problem. And by not wanting a problem, they create a problem. This is Obama. All of us are complicit to some degree. What are you talking about? So, if Ola Anderson comes to the lunchroom and these guys kill him, all of you who sat back and watched are complicit. You didn't confront them and throw them out. You tried to get along with them. To get along, to get along. This is Jimmy Carter. This is Obama. Appeasement. Oh, they're not bad. They're not bad people. They won't really sneak up on you and kill you when you're least suspecting it. And by the way, don't you see that Ole Anderson had it coming? He told the bookies that he'd throw the fight and he didn't. So he's really got it coming. This is what is going wrong right now. Oh, there's no such thing as evil. All truth to the Obamas is relative. There's no absolute evil. The heck there's not. But how many people would sit there and do the very same thing? Watch these people, and they're professionals. They're cold-blooded professionals. They know exactly what they're doing. 
And they take advantage of passivity, of politeness, of false assumptions about the nature of people. The Killers by Ernest Hemingway. I printed that in something called the Christendom Review. I loved writing about it because I really had to match mine, my mind with Hemingway's mind. And I knew Hemingway knew what he was talking about. And I knew that Hemingway would not tell you what evil is. He would show you. You would experience it. And we've got all these people running around commenting now. As if they were there. All these intellectual opinions. And these elite universities where these eggheads are allowed to Yak all day long. I'm really curious. We have just posted on Ward's Hot Bulletin Board an article that Ted Yoho wanted printed from, posted from Politico. Take a look at it, read it. It's the writer doing a hatchet job on the new Speaker of the House. Have a great day. We're all command center out.